Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. All right. Welcome back to Let Me Introduce You, a film and friends podcast. If this is your first time here, first, thank you. Uh, here's our here's our deal. We are three best friends who met in film school 20 years ago who have so much in common except our taste in film. So every episode, we find a film or a movie, and yes, they're different, <laughs> that we introduce to each other. At least one of us has to have not seen it, and then we break it down, give our hot takes, our reactions, and, you know, when we're feeling up to it, provide a little history about it. Uh, my name is Ashley, but I am not the only one who is here. I am with the um, illustrious... Yeah, I'm going to go with illustrious today. The illustrious Katie. Oh, I was like, it could be Graham or me. Who could oh, be? my God. I wanted to be illustrious. I, I'll, take, I'll take it. Hi, I'm Katie. Uh, and you are about to hear the mellifluous tones of uh, <gasps> our other best friend, Graham. God, I hope that's a good thing. Yes, it's actually like, it's like melodic and beautiful. I feel like and, it's soothing. <laughs> and I learned it from the Drew Barrymore film, Never Been Kissed. So, oh. movies, not just a visual medium. <clears throat> So, uh, so yes, this week, uh, or I should say this episode, we have uh, something very special, a couple of firsts, which, you know, as you get older, it is more rare to experience firsts and brings back that childlike sense of wonder. This week, our film is both the first full-length animated feature that we have watched together. Mm-hmm. And it is the first time we have ever watched a film in the same place at the same time. Oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, at least for this podcast. And why was that, yes. Ashley? And why was that? Well, the theme that we're working on right now is thanks to the newest addition to this best friend trio, um, the, the most junior. <laughs> and that is Katie's amazing, wonderful little baby who um, Graham affectionately coined as Lady V. Uh, Our our theme is Films for Vanna. So this week we are talking about 1977's animated version of The Hobbit. The Hobbit! Uh, Is Bilbo here? Yeah, we. Um, the reason why we are finally able to see it together in person, we actually live. Um, you know, we're we're we've been torn asunder across the country. Um, but I feel like really, I just have continually ruined our friendship of not living in the same place at the same time. Right. Uh, well, Katie and I have been talking about that separately for years. <laughs> what I was going to say. You have a separate is... thread chain. Oh yeah, we have a chain. different. <clears throat> it's Boo Boo's minus Ashley. <laughs> It's was, Boo-Boo's best. <laughs> no, the I was going to say, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, testament to our friendship that we have not lived in the same city for years, and, and still, it's, it's BFF city constantly. Mm-hmm. So BFF. Even other people get excited when we are together. Isn't that True. funny? <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> and just a testament was, I, I walked in to your house, Katie, and I was like, oh, hi, as if, like... <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Ashley and I were in the in the kitchen with the baby, and I had had the door unlocked because, uh, um, you know, I can never tell when when uh, I'll be able to get up and unlock it. And I forget, Ashley, I forget what we were doing. Maybe just talking or something. And then all of a sudden, I just turn around and just like Graham just walks in the door. <laughs> well, the door. <laughs> when I got there. Apparently, Ashley had opened the door to throw out a dog toy, and I was like, "Is that for me?" Oh yeah. <laughs> Didn't even notice Graham. Just and opened like, the door, chucked is... it out, shut the door on him. <laughs> Quite a welcome. And then I walk in, I was like, "Uh, hey, girls." <laughs> like, um, I haven't seen you in person. Well, at least me, Graham, and I haven't seen each other in three years because he was one of my last trips before the pandemic. Oh, and Katie was almost three, like two and a mm-hmm. half years. Yeah. But I, I'm again, yeah, it was again. It was like, oh hi, like hi. no time has passed. Oh, yeah. Hi. Yep. It was so lovely. It should be. Yeah. And I hope everyone has a friendship where you're able to just pick up where you left off, whether you're texting each other every week or, you know, every few months or once a year. I feel like you guys were like that with Colleen, too, because you hadn't seen Colleen in like years, years, years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 12? No, it would have been. Is it? Tw- no. It wouldn't have been that long, I don't think. I think Maybe? it's been that long, Katie. Oh, wow. Well, well yeah. yeah. Well, you couldn't tell. Well, you know, when people just touch your heart, much like I hope this film touched your heart, <laughs> it stays with you for a very long time. And watching it on your couch, Katie, with, with the baby, mm-hmm. while we were whispering the entire weekend. <laughs> Sorry. Which, yes. No, it was great because there was a moment, listeners, when we were, the girls were chatting with each other and it was such lovely ASMR that I fell asleep. <laughs> really Graham, I started using this little. They have this thing. I think I don't know if I showed it to you guys when you were here, but it's called a baby shusher. It's basically yes. just like it's like a little like electronic thing. And you just turn mm-hmm. it on, and it's some woman's voice just going shh over and over and over again. And, I might get that. Uh, I, well, I've been using it lately because I'm getting tired of just saying shh all the time. And so you turn it on, and I'm like, I feel like Graham would love this. I would. It was great. I was so. It was so peaceful. It's literally the personification of my finger tattoo that I got when we were in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of body modifications. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Before we dive into deeply into this film, we just, we've been so desperate to reconnect. So we're just going to yeah. tell you a little bit about our trip um, to sunny Los Angeles, which was Ugh. apparently then snowy. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I like, I feel a little bad because when I was leaving LA, it was like weather warning. There's going to be. 19 to 30 inches of snow in Minnesota. So even though the wind traveled from west to east, I I feel like I helped Mm. bring that on. Or is it just climate change? Both. A little bit of everything. Yeah. A little bit of both. Um, You know, lots of friends have little rituals or fun things that they do together. On many a trip that we have been on, um, one or all of us, have gotten tattoos, but Graham and Katie, what sort of body modification did we do on this trip? Well, I think it speaks to us that we're older and we're like, hmm, maybe we won't do things as permanent. So we decided to just get holes in our body. Yay! Yes, we got ear piercings. Oh, I'm still down for tattoos, but yes. (laughs) Well, this time we did ear piercings and I don't even know how it came up, but we were having mozzarella sticks and, and... and wings, and someone was like, let's do it. And I go, yes, I'm in. But yes. my one condition is I have to go first. <laughs> you did so good. You were so brave. I was so proud of you. Well, I was brave uh, for mine, and then I watched y'all get 
So I just got my lobe pierced. And yes, we did Google before we, I got it done, which is the gay ear. <laughs> we double Wait, checked. Which is, is... We double, it's the one I have, or the right ear. Okay. Why did I so think I, the left for the longest time? I don't know. But okay. people now know that I'm gay. Um, if they didn't before. <laughs> if they haven't never met you. And I'm really digging it. Um, but y'all got more, uh, what's like, advanced Ear piercings. Well, we I would all, say. we all like so. Yeah, it was the it was the three of us plus my best friend uh, from home, other, Colleen, other my, my best other best friend. friend. She's I, the number one best friend. I've known I know, her, but like she's fine. We're, right, we're sitting right here. I know, <laughs> right so, here. Yeah. So the the Ashley and Colleen and I, we all had our our earlobes pierced. So we all got something else because you can't, you know. Graham started with step one. The rest of us got Well, I did have a piercing 20 years ago on my, on my when top left ear, and it got gnarly infected. Um, yeah. I, I helped you take that out. You did. It was so gross. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Katie. If I've never friendship thanked you, thank you. Thank you. Friendship is suffering. Thank you. 20, 20, like, I, guess, I guess friendship is taking one person's gnarly, gross piercing yeah. out. But so, when I got mine, and I was like, okay, yeah, I look amazing. I look so good. And then I think, who went after me? Colleen went after you. Colleen, and she got something more intense and I I don't think I told you this Ashley I saw the needle in her ear and I go to Kitty I'm about to faint yes yeah you had to walk away <laughs> meanwhile I'm so, just there being just like stoic just like yeah. it's gonna be fine yeah. and started to get mildly nervous and I was like Ashley, don't show anyone don't I'm tell anyone you you're getting nervous went last because yours looked the scariest I think Unless, mm-hmm. I mean I don't know what mine looked like when, when I got it done um, but yours looked the scariest out of all of them I mean, he had really leaned in on you, so we couldn't see your your rook piercing. Yeah. Which, you know. But, but hey, I mean, if you're going to get body modification done, I highly recommend going with your best friends. Yeah. It's a good time. And, and uh, where did we get it done? Because yeah. Steve was amazing. What was it? Uh, Studio we City? Got it, yeah, we got it at uh, Pirate Tattoo in Studio City. I don't know if that's the actual name. Hold on. Pirate Tattoo. But they were awesome. So LA people, if you're thinking about it, go. They yeah. were Awesome. Ask for Steve. Uh, yeah, Studio City Tattoo in um, Studio City. I've actually been there before. I got piercings with two friends of mine from work. Um, and one of them, uh, we got her first piercings. Um, and so I, it was it was a nice kind of like, this is where my friends go to get ear piercings. Yeah. No. But Steve super friendly legit. staff. Steve was great. The whole staff was awesome. So. Yeah. Strong, nice. Not this isn't an ad. This is a recommendation. Yes. No, but we will take paid advertisers. <laughs> um, we're really still trying to get that tushy uh, advertisement. Yeah. Which I feel bad. We failed over the weekend. Graham and I were like, we need to install Katie's bidet, and then we never did. So I think I'm gonna. You know hire why? Because we had rabbit. eaten so much food that we couldn't move. Yeah, we did eat a lot of really delicious <laughs> LA food. Hana. Yeah. There was. I mean, there's also you know a baby to take care of. So. Yeah, and oh, to, yeah. to sniff a baby head. <laughs> Anyways, we can talk about this more at the end, but I feel like this is a film and friends podcast. Let's get to the film part. Let's so, Graham, Katie, who wants to start? Who wants to give us stats? Who wants to do the summary? What, how are you feeling this? Well, I usually do box office stats, but this was a TV show special, so I don't have anything. <laughs> oh, wow. They didn't, that's right. Is this our first made for TV as well? No, no, Tori, that Story Spelling movie we did. No. That's right. That, that, you mean the number one episode that any, that is, we, Mother May I Sleep With Danger is by and large our most downloaded episode. That's insane. It I is mean, insane. Tori is our patron saint. 
Like, Every season we have a film or a movie <laughs> <clears throat> movie uh, that involves Tori Smalling. Yeah. So. <laughs> but no, yeah, this, I mean, it aired on, I think, NBC in 1977. So that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. But then when, so when I was doing my um, research after I woke up from my nap today, because old people need naps. Um, and so do young babies. We have so much in common. Oh my gosh! Um, it yeah, it was originally except NBC. our taste in movies. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <I had> <laughs> it went to CBS, but then we actually all streamed this together on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Graham, um, it cost three million dollars. To make this movie, how do you know how much it cost? Or can you give us any stats on the live action Hobbit to just give oh us a God. little uh, cross reference? So three, so three million in like nineteen seventy seven dollars is like what? Maybe thirty million today? Uh, let's see. Sure, that that math sounds like it's mathing. I'm going to usinflationcalculator.com. That is oh, not mad. I, I was thinking <laughs> it was like dot biz or dot net. Uh, I always think dot biz is so funny. It's $15 million. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. And the Hobbit Unexpected Journey, at least, that was a budget of two to $300 million. And this, well, I'll... We'll get to it. ...withhold my opinions. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Well, Katie, um, you were the only one who hadn't seen this, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay, this was my so first time seeing this. Let us introduce this to Katie and let Katie introduce you to the summary of the 1977 animated version of The Hobbit. That was really good. Uh, So I usually, you know, I I usually try to pride myself on my preparation, uh, but since having a a small, tiny human, um, I've not been able to do as much preparation. So my plan is, I'm going, and also I, um, we watched this, what, a week ago? Yes. Um, So... That plus, I may have been like dozing off a little bit, so my my um, summary might be a little spotty. I mean, you're but... literally keeping another human alive with your body. You yeah, made her fine. with your body, <clears throat> and you're keeping her alive with your body. I mean, I'm trying. So I was gonna try to do it in a dumb British accent just to distract everybody yes. from uh, how poor my summary is going to be. So here we go. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Mrs. Potts. <laughs> if it gets dumb, I'll stop it. Uh, it's dumb already, but I'm not going to stop it. No, nope, do it. We want it. You. Okay, so the Hobbit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> um, so the Hobbit starts with uh, Bilbo Baggins, who is a Hobbit. <laughs> and... It's the first time that he's meeting Gandalf the wizard. And um, you've never met before, but Gandalf (laughs) seems to think that Bilbo is a master thief and uh, needs to con him into a contract with a bunch of other um, trolls. Troll, no. No. No, dwarves. Okay, that you've the accent's gone. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, keep going. Go in and out. I love it. A bunch of other dwarves. Um, Thirteen other dwarves. A, uh, to steal back a treasure that the evil dragon Smog has evil. stolen. <laughs> um, so they go on this adventure that, uh, as a as a novice to this movie, seemed exactly the same as the Lord of the Rings movie, but that's fine. So they go and they have an adventure and they go and meet some trolls 
that have little noses that look like French bulldogs. And then uh, they have to save, help these lake people, these humans, meet. I can't say it's really hard to keep doing. Actually, Katie, I'm really into your accent. It sounds <laughs> I'm so I'm really good. vibing on this. So they meet some lake people. Um, people. And they have to go, because in order to get to Smog and the treasure, they have to go through this mountain. And the only way to get through is a secret entrance. Um, but they wind up getting kidnapped by the trolls and then they get smuggled out through some wine barrels um yes okay and then um there were some really scary spiders too there were some scary spiders and there uh oh we also see we meet um Smeagol um and we get to finally see how Bilbo gets the ring of power and outsmarts Smeagol and how Smeagol loses the ring of power um, and then at the end, uh, they meet Smog, who looks like a giant cat on a dragon's body. And, um, they yes, get the treasure okay. and go back to the Shire at the end. What? Okay, so a couple you know comments. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, I, know. I love how your British accent is a 90-year-old, like, is the queen. <laughs> it's that. It's, no, I can do other British accents. It's just But I love that you pay, Also, why British? I don't know. Because... <laughs> Tolkien wasn't the dude British. He was British, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, C.S. Lewis. They were like frenzies. Um, hey, you did mostly. You mostly caught it. You got oh, some of the tro- you, most of the trolls and the wiz- and the elves and the, and the and the oh, ogres. The elves, you got you the got elves. them all mixed up. Okay, but. whatever. I mean, it's hard. It is a seventy-seven minute long film movie. Which one are we calling this? I, I think it's a it television film. special. Television, television special, special works. It yeah. moves along at a very fast oh. clip. Mm, 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 you know, mm, so it mm. is bang, bang, bang. So to miss a few things, that's okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've because I, it, it honestly it felt like I was watching the Lord of the Rings because I'm like you have a there's there's a a group of people who you know create a bond to have a a, a hero's journey and have a mission. Um, and then I uh, uh, they they run into some they go they have to go through like the uh, the mines of Moria which I I'm sure they're called something else in this movie uh, and then they have to fight some uh, goblins and there's you know Smeagol's got the ring and only a Hobbit can save everybody and they have a tenuous partnership with humans. Um, it, it, it felt like I I never read any of the books I've only seen the Lord of the Ring trilogy movies. So it felt like I was like, this feels like, did Tolkien, like, again, I've never read the book, but I'm like, did Tolkien just, like, make a Cliff Notes version of his first trilogy and call it The Hobbit? I don't know. The Hobbit was the first book. So if anything, he wrote it and was like, hey, guys, you know what? Let's expand on this. So then in in some of the articles that I read, it's like The Hobbit became the default prequel. Mm -hmm. Um, But you would think... I should remember more because I didn't read The Hobbit until I was in graduate school and had to take a course on it. But uh, friends of the pod know that my memory is shit. So it's true. Just join us in the crap memory in, in our fully referential memory. So, you know, the whole the whole theme of um, these few episodes is you know, films for Vanna, what are things that we would want to introduce to Vanna? So Katie, can you remind us about your choice? Our, our, one of our recent episodes, which one did you? 
so for my daughter Vanderlaal, I introduced her to Mouse Hunt, and um, much like The Hobbit, she she slept through the whole thing. So it was good. <laughs> yeah, solid. Which solid win? You know, I I don't know. Like this is not emblematic of my childhood. So like this being my pick, this wasn't where I was like, oh my god, she has to watch this, or it's not a real childhood. It was the first movie as a kid that I remember that scared the shit out of me. Really? Mm-hmm. It, it same. was terrifying. There was, you know, so, you know, we were kids born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. I think I watched this for the first time when I was like six. So you're trying to terrify my infant daughter? Thank you. You know, I, well, I'm trying to correlate to the horror that you are going to introduce her to and... And Thanks. just Thank you. prepare her. I also wonder, because the illustration, like animation style now, is so wildly different from even yeah. what happened in the nineties or even fifteen years ago. I don't I don't even know if it's gonna be that scary to her. But this movie terrified me as a child. There like a lot of the sound effects were very specific, but it was spec- like I have a very clear memory. We are at our house in Eden Prairie. We we first lived in Minneapolis, moved to Eden Prairie. We had this TV that was um, wooden, right? Like it had a wooden frame and these wooden doors, which like never got shut. And I very distinctly remember, I believe we watched it on VHS because again, 80s and 90s. And I remember seeing the spiders and the like high pitch sound effect. And Mm -hmm. I was terrified. I did not want to rewatch it for a very long time. But when we said film Servanna, first thing that popped into my head, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, we got to watch this. And honestly, I feel like kind of a good pick because it was produced by Rankin Bass. So, you know, um, Graham, can you for for viewers who are uninitiated, can you share a little bit more? Because I feel like even though none of us are Rankin Bass experts, I felt like you were able to rattle off a few of the ones that we knew as kids. I mean, especially, we know especially them over the holiday, the Christmas holidays with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, uh, the Easter Bunny is coming to town. They did a lot of stop motion animation in the 60s and 70s. And they also delved into animation as well. Um, there was, of course, The Hobbit, and they, they followed it up with The Return of the King, a couple years later. Um, one of their major... I, I don't know if, Katie, you've seen this. Ashley, uh, had, uh, before this, said she hadn't heard of it, but The Last Unicorn, they did that as well, which is crazy scary and crazy good. I've heard about it. From, I've never seen it, though. <clears throat> from 1982. Um, definitely recommend that one. So, And there's another... They also did another late... The, one of their later ones was The Stingiest Man in Town, which um, they all have similar animation style in this um part of their crew that worked on the hobbit ended up going on to form studio ghibli or being part of like studio really ghibli. yes so, that's cool so, so most of this was done by toycraft which is a japanese company so like rankin bass would kind of outsource so to speak a lot of their you know quote like lower budget animation um and yeah a lot of the like when toycraft dissolved three of them went on including Miyazaki went on to form Studio Ghibli, which definitely shows up in this film. I feel like when you look at Smeagol, total Studio Ghibli vibes. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Those big eyes. Yeah. And I think with a lot of their stuff, I, I hearken back to what like Jim Henson said about 
like fear and scare like being scared is okay when you're a kid and teaching kids like that fear is real is important and with scenes in the hobbit and and i remember vividly in return of the king when smeagol bites off frodo's finger like that's that was terrifying last unicorn has a lot of scary stuff in it like there was a lot of you know really frightening imagery in in some of their um in some of their work i mean granted I mean, even going back to some of the villains in Rudolph, uh, Rudolph Shiny New Year, like there's some scary villains in that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I kind of appreciate that that um, darkness that was in the children's programming back then. Katie, other than feeling sleepy, because um, I want to get back to so us talking about programming for children, because we do have what I would like to call a resident expert. Um, what were your impressions of it as as the person who had not seen it? I liked it. Um, I like the animation style. I like, you know, that the the story, of course, like like I said, it felt like I was just watching like a Cliff Notes version of Lord of the Rings um, with some of the uh, this is going to sound like a criticism, but it felt like some of the heart was taken out of it. Um, That's legit. You know, the heart and the, the friendship and the bond. Um, of course, it, it, it'll never be as epic because um, I'm comparing one animated TV special to three major, you know, studio production films. But um, we all know how much you love Peter Jackson. <clears throat> I, I do like Peter Jackson a lot. I think he's fantastic. But um, you know, I like I like movies from the seventies, and I could see where if I had seen this when I was younger, it would have been scary, which is kind of fun. Um, but I I know you guys said it moves at a fast clip. I did not agree. I thought I was just like. Oh, I'm like, can we just get to the dragon? Um, and, you know, in each of the scenes, nothing... The, the best one to me was the scene with Gollum because I was, you know, I, I was always interested in knowing how he got the ring from, from Spiegel. Um, and I, I like things with riddles because I like to see if I can figure it out first. Um which I think I got, I think I got like two of them in my head. Uh, but I, yeah, I liked, I liked that part a lot, but, oh shoot, it, it's bringing up this memory right now where I'm like, I'm going to have to look up, it, it reminds, the animation style reminds me of something else, I'm going to have to look it up. Um, I, I liked, yeah, I liked, I liked it a lot, um, because I like comparing it, I like learning the backstory of the Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, yeah, I never read the books, I never saw the Hobbit movies with, um, Martin, um, Free, um, Freeman, Freeman. Yeah. Uh, I never saw those. So yeah, it was, it was fine. I, I wasn't like, I didn't hate it. I didn't super love it. It was, it was fine. It was mid. Yeah. To, to quote the kids. Is that what the kids say? Yeah. Mid. That's, that's totally up right now. Right. Yeah. This is where my nibblings are going to listen to this and go, you are so, so cringy. It's easy. Chuggy. You're so, Chuggy. so cringe. Um, Graham, what were your impressions on watching it for a second time? An, an, an additional time? <laughs> yes. I, I think I saw it at six as well, Ashley. And many sequences in this when I watched it. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Um, even though it scared me a lot. And, and the scene especially that scared me was the Gollum scene. Because it is just... From the, from the pace of the rest of the movie, the movie really like takes its time to breathe in that sequence. 
Whereas in the other sequences, it's like, okay, first the trolls, now we're caught in a tree, now we're with the, go the goblins. It's just, but it allowed it to like actually play out a bit more. And I think the animation style of Smeagol scared the crap out of me. The voice work of that, I, don't, I have to look up who, who did the voice work, but was creepy and great. So that scene Grim. made me, what? Apparently it was this uh, this actor named Brother Theodore, mm. and the uh, I guess he all he worked at Stanford also as oh. a janitor, um, where apparently he demonstrated uh, his prowess at chess by beating thirty professors simultaneously. What nerd? According, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> how nerd? Do you, I can't even play a game of chess, let alone thirty, and beat all of them. That kind of a mind. Wow. Sounds like a real nerd. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, but anyway, to off. But watching it again, I mean, it was fun. I, I thought that some sequences were longer in my memory. Like, I thought the, the, the sequence with Smog was much longer from, from, from when I saw it when I was a kid, but it was really, really brief. Um, and the fact that it's like tethered to. Uh, I guess it was primetime TV. Like they had to cut so much out that, I mean, a lot of the major story is because it goes from one thing to the next, like Katie, to your point, like there's not a lot of heart in it. Um, you don't really get to know any of the dwarves with the exception of um, Thorin. And you only get to know who he is like at the very end as he's dying. So, but again, I thought the musics were bops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we also talk about how I chose a musical but didn't yeah. realize it? Like, did well, not, not remember the yeah. music part. Well, and the not music, a musical, but music. I mean, the lyrics are taken from the book. Um, but try and tell me that down, down to Godland Town isn't something you want to hear at the club. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Says the down, man who down. listened to the entire entire soundtrack before we watched the film. You want to get you want something to pull your heartstrings? Look up the Greatest Adventure YouTube and read the comments of people being like, "This song, whenever I'm feeling low, <laughs> is what lies ahead." It's like it's just, <laughs> and the music comes in so randomly in points too that it's it, it got to be really funny. <laughs> you you've got to have that push pull that relief yeah. with the terror. You know, so um, I I have a lot of experience with the Hobbit. I read the book growing up. Um, I was obsessed with all things Lord of the Rings, and and I've seen the other. I've seen all three of the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies. All oh, three. like y'all, can we all agree that the Hobbit did not be did not need to be made into three full length anime or yeah. um, live action films? Maybe two. Maybe two. Oh yeah, duology um, totally. And I will, my one, the one thing that that, that those versions have over this version is in the Peter Jackson version, the dwarves are fuckable. <laughs> <laughs> there are that some is why hot, we watched the wait, children's version. Wait, there wait, are some really? hot, there are some hot dwarves. I don't even know if they're technically dwarves, but like there are some sexy ass dwarves. There's like a love story between one of them and, and like a lady um, Thorin I mean, is hot. Like you had to put something in there. You got to give me some eye candy, babe. And for for nine hours, yum. Some of them were so sexy. So I didn't want to fuck any of these dwarves. You know, in that this was movie. the that no. was actually the audience feedback. 
when, when they did screen tests, they were like, could you make someone more fuckable? <laughs> Anytime I enter, like, what... <laughs> How Draw soon did these sexier. come out in relation to Game of Thrones? Like, listen, Around Game of Thrones is fuckable fantasy. We just need a little more fuckable yeah. fantasy with the and, Hobbit. Uh, Gimli, get it. Get in me, Gimli. I think that was a sexy one in it. I can't remember. Get in me, Gimli. Oh, my God. Um, At least I hope that's, me Gollum. I, I hope that's a sexy one, because if it's not, then I'm going to feel weird looking at it. I don't even want to look it Gimli, up. Gimli's the one that's that's in the first, the first Lord of the Rings trilogy. Okay, I don't want to fuck Gimli. Dory? Late. <laughs> Wrong children's movie. <laughs> so, I mean, there are definitely sequences. My dad and I were, would go see uh, all those movies because they always came out around Christmas. And I remember we went and saw the first Hobbit. We're like, okay, yeah, it's fine, fine. Desolation of Smog was number two, and that was good. That was really good. The third one, the Battle of Five Armies, we're like, okay, we just, we're done. We can't, we, and that's one that I've never revisited because it was just so, so boring. How um, long are those movies? Over two hours. The first one's nearly three. So, um, and that's just the theatrical release. In the sequence where, in the animated version, when they're in the the wine barrels, yeah, it lasts like thirty seconds. It's like a full ten minute action sequence in the movie with like goblins and shooting arrows and stuff. It's crazy. Um, but the spider sequence in that one's pretty good. And How how does the fearfulness of watching it as a child to what you saw as an adult, compare and contrast, please? Well, I mean, I from our arachnophobia episode, you all know, y'all know how I feel about spiders. It's very true. And Bye especially back. if they talk. I want to yes. hear your thoughts. I don't want to hear it at all. So I did. You know what I did really like, and another article that I read talked about in the animated version when a spider died, we were brought into their perspective and like their eyes, and you know it's like the the multifaceted. Yeah. I forget how many times, and like I thought that was like filmically. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That those are that that whole the whole spider sequence in in, in the animated is super cool. Um, I also like in the movie where he's constantly trying to like get them out of trouble, and at the end he's like, "I've met up with them, and it looks like they're in trouble again." <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite things too is that there's like this final battle sequence, right? So they have defeated Smog because there is one scale inside his body or on his what was it? On uh, there was one scale on his underbelly that was revealed for his soft underbelly, right? And, like, the um, the dude with the very 70s mustache from Lake Town, which one article referred okay, to Okay, he was, he was sexy. Yeah, they referred to him as Bard Reynolds. Yeah. Um, instead <laughs> of Burt Reynolds. Um, and, you know, of course it hits home and kills him. But then after that, they're all, like, fighting over the treasure. Like, who's gonna get it? And, like, Lake Town and the dwarves and the elves, but then all of a sudden they come together to fight the trolls and they're kind of getting their asses kicked and then the eagles come in and the eagles are just straight up scooping people up and like taking them off but of course Bilbo um, just knocks his head and he's out for most of it and I, and I want to put knocks his head in quotations well let me just say a quick thing about that so in the in this version he's he hides yeah, wait, I thought he was a little ring. coward. He puts the ring on 
to to make himself invisible. Yeah. And he claims, oh, I got hit in my head yeah. because... But um, there's a reason behind that, why they did that. Because in the book... In the book, it was because he got his head hurt. He got hit on the head, and anyway. So this was post Vietnam War, and there was still a lot of anti-war feelings in the country. So they were making a stand, saying by Bill being like, "None of this. This is all stupid. Why are we doing this? There's no sense in doing all of this." Hmm. Um, so that was the reason behind that. Yeah, because throughout, Bilbo was saying, like, there's so much treasure. Why can't we share and divide it? And the dwarves were like, no, it's ours. And Lake Town wanted to, you know, rebuild their town that got decimated by taking out smog and then smog falling on it. Yeah. The dwarves are bastards. (laughs) Dwarves. They're unfuckable bastards. I mean, I would hope in an animated version that they would be unfuckable, especially when it's made for children. Yeah. Because I just, um, like... Okay, excuse me, wait. then you have not seen a fair amount of any Disney movies. Okay, because we can talk about... We can do a full three hours on sexy animated creatures. Correct. Uh, Mr. Robin Hood. Oh, my God. Fox Robin Hood. Fox, Fox Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. Grim, what, um, tell us about Fox Robin Hood for, for the uninitiated. Can you remind us what you felt about Fox Robin Hood? I just said he's sexy as fuck. He is. I'm saying so many curse words. All this. Wasn't he <laughs> one of the first crushes? He was a crush of mine, and the voice of him was gay. Yep. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, he's sexy. Um, we all agree on that. I yeah. mean, yes. Who okay, doesn't? Katie, thank you. Yeah, yeah he's just that swag, that swagger, that charisma. You know? There's tons of sexy uh, animated people and animals. Who are your favorites? Sexy animals, huh? Don't even pretend. No, I'm sure I mean, that you haven't. I just that you yeah. haven't thought about. He has. He got. He has got. He's suave. He is charming. I always liked Aladdin. You know what? Aladdin. Yeah, but Aladdin is a human being. You know what? In, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't realize it had. To be oh, he's not wearing a he's not wearing a shirt. He is sexy. <laughs> One of my friends. Shout out to Sarah. Um, we once had a very long conversation about sexy cartoon uh, characters, and she goes, "Guys, what about the carpet from Aladdin?" <laughs> You know what I loved? Like, one of the earliest animated movies that wasn't in the, like, hardcore Disney... How do you say that word? Ovur or whatever. Uh-huh. Oh, goodness. Um, was Oliver and Company. Do you remember that movie? Yes. I never saw it. Yes, it's I... Dis- that's Disney. Is it Disney? I didn't yeah. think of it as, like... Like, it's separate to me because it's, like, 80s Disney and then there was, like, the 90s Disney, you know, that we experienced. But there was something about Oliver. I was like, that fucking cat. I love it. The cat? The kitty cat? Yeah, wasn't it the orange one? Is that what I'm thinking of? Or am the, I thinking that of? was a child. Then what am I thinking of? <laughs> Are you thinking of the Aristocats? Maybe. You're thinking of the Aristocats. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think Oliver and Company was why I always wanted an orange tabby, but then maybe it was the Aristocats. I was like, Ashley, he's six. <laughs> yeah. Don't be disgusting. Yeah. I, like, I always liked uh, the dog Charlie from uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. He's like a German Shepherd. Um, All dogs go to heaven. Oh, they do. Um, not not Alvin the Chipmunks, but Dave from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Well, he yes. is, he's a responsible man, and he's got a job. And I like him. <laughs> I like that that's the bar. Responsible <laughs> job. You know what? He's, he has a good think, 401k. And <laughs> I was going to say, you think back to the people we dated in our 20s? and <laughs> Responsible with a job? Yeah, that's that's sadly a high bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Graham, so the so, Hobbit. So, the, <laughs> so no. So sexy hobbits. So so se- so so fuckable dwarves. Um, yeah. no. Bringing this back. So you, you know, we all went to film school together, and then Graham was a teacher for a little while. I'm currently a teacher librarian. Um, but you got another graduate degree. Uh, what exactly? I always forget exactly what it was called. I don't use library. it. <laughs> Well, you're about to. So tell us, what exactly was that again? I did a, well, technology, innovation, and education. Oh. But what I think was interesting, because you and oh. I talked about how you studied, um, you studied like Sesame Street, right? And talking about different characters. And so you were talking earlier about Jim Henson and kids needing to experience fear. And I'm just wondering if there's like other stuff that was brought, like the connections that you can make from like the studying you did to what is going on with this to be specifically made for children. Cause it is painted with very broad strokes, which I think now is kind of like, um, I think that's changed a bit. I think in the past people thought that kids couldn't handle nuance. And I think we really underestimate children a lot. I think a lot of adults underestimate the capacity of kids, but I'm wondering if there was anything else that kind of stood out to you having that background and that like study. Well, I'm not watching a lot of children's programming these days to make like an an a, a guess of what's going on. It does seem to me that we are shielding kids from a lot of of darkness out there. Which I mean, I guess like Katie, how are you? Are you going to be comfortable showing Vanna a lot of like scary things, or do you want like where, what's the bar? Uh, I, I don't mind. It's, I'm going to follow her a lot of the time. Mm. Um, you know, what she's comfortable with, what she wants to watch, which, you know, um, and I know kids can't, can't always regulate, like they might say they're ready for something and then be super terrified about it. But I mean, a lot of that's how you learn, uh, or you get interested in stuff. Like, um, I scared the crap out of myself, uh, when I was younger because I read too many, like real ghost books and i thought that like i read about the same ghost in like three different books in in like fifth grade and i'm like this Mm -hmm. one has to be real because she's in three different books yeah um but you know i i it's gonna be a level of like um like you know violence and like making sure like there's not too much violence making sure the sex is like i'm not too worried I'm not too worried about the sex level because a lot of the times, you know, there's only so much that, that people can get or, or understand. Um, but I, I probably just follow the same, the same like parameters that, that I had, which was a pretty, pretty lax. Um, now I'm not going to be too like overly zealous about it. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> when you're young and you watch something that scares you or watch something, because like we all can recall, like Ashley, you and I remember being scared by this. 33 years ago mm-hmm. and it's like almost like you're you're preparing yourself for how to feel or, or projecting yourself if you were to encounter something that would scare you um yeah. so i think that's why it was important especially in jim henson's idea uh to show things that were scary like for example labyrinth and dark crystal dark crystal had some legitimately frightening things in it and because you guys haven't watched that right no, I've still yeah. never seen Dark Crystal. Like, but we did almost talk about we watching almost Labyrinth watched it. last night. Um, but there's like legitimate frightening things in there to show like kids like not everything is like rosy out there. Um, there, it's good to have your Care Bears, I guess, and your Smurfs, but also, you know, 
prepare yourself for for kind of the world and the way it is. Um, and like I think I'm that's trying, why. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was trying. I was trying to think of like things that I remember watching that scared me as a kid, like around the same age that you and Ash got scared about this. And the only like two things I can think of were both not for children. What were they? I I How saw. Crazy? I saw Nightmare on Elm Street when I was about like about like five or six years old. It was on TV, mm. um, and I don't think my mom knew we were watching it. Uh, it was in the basement of our of our old house, and there's that scene. Uh, have you guys? Well, whatever. Spoiler to people who haven't seen it. Um, there's a scene. It's been where, thirty plus years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Almost forty. <laughs> uh, Freddie uh, Nancy falls asleep in the bathtub, and Freddie drags yeah. her underneath. And that scared me so much that as a kid, I remember refusing to take a bath because I was so scared Freddie was going to pull me under. Um, so there's that one. And then do you guys remember uh, the movie Little Monsters with Howie yes. Mandel? That yeah. movie's scary. This movie scared the crap out of me. It scared yeah. me. Yeah, I hated that. And then the last one was E.T. You I are hate, scared of E.T. I hate E.T. I hate E.T. Wait, why do I not remember why you hate E.T.? I just don't like it. He's scary. At the end when he's white, I got so scared as a kid. I refused to watch it. Don't like it. I know, but... Oh, I was just going to say you're scared of white people. Yeah, legit. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> um, well, and, like, I was terrified of Jaws growing up. Yeah. And, and like, okay, privilege. I had a pool in my backyard. And I'd be like, oh, my God, there's a shark in my pool. <laughs> Like I don't. I was, I was like, Dad, you can't leave me. Mom and Dad, you can't. You always have to make sure that no shark is trying to get me. And they're like, Graham, <laughs> not physically possible. Yeah, I do think this really speaks to the power of children's imagination, and how unfortunately, as kids grow older, we like as a society kind of. I don't know. Now, we don't beat it out of kids, right? But it is kind of like pushed aside and like the idea of play and, you know, being an educator now, like kindergarten used to be more about learning through play. And now it has become so much more formalized of like, you need to be reading at this level by the end of this grade and all this stuff. And really, it's not having... I personally think, and I've talked with other educators, it's not having as great of effect on kids. Like, learning through play, learning socialization, how to hang out, and, like, having an imagination. Like, as a librarian, I love having kids experience different things through literature or through media because it's not possible for us to experience everything on our own, especially when it comes to fantastical worlds Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so I think film and TV and movies and, you know, webisodes and animation and everything else, like, it provides such a beautiful opportunity to introduce things to kids and to also essentially experience fear in a safer environment, right? Especially for something so fantastical. It's like, okay, these spiders were massive, but I think something I used to tell myself when I tried was like, well, but spiders that big don't exist in our world, right? But it don't they? You shut your goddamn mouth, okay? Well, we're not living in those places, you know? True. They don't exist in, in Minnesota. Does that make you feel better? A little bit. But now I'm, like, still looking behind my back where I'm like, is it is there something behind me? <laughs> but I think, I think it is really important because they're, as much as we want to protect and keep kids safe, and that is really important. I say to my students, like, we all need to be safe first before we can have fun and do everything else. We shouldn't shelter them to the point where they never experience anything else. I think it is the job of grown-ups to help 
introduce in small doses and in developmentally appropriate ways, ways for kids to experience and process other emotions so that they're not caught unaware, that they're not suddenly like having these big emotions and they don't know how to process it. Or someone's just trying to tamp it down instead of saying like, yeah, that was what made that feel scary, you know, and also breaking apart the fear of saying like, and why would this not be true? It's kind of like a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. Like you spiral through like, well, would that really happen? What would have to happen? What are all the little pieces for this to actually exist? Right. I mean, I wonder if like, again, I don't watch children's programming right now quite yet. Um, but I wonder if it, the things are as intense. I know it's coming. I wonder Better if the feelings are as blue. Yes. Oh is God, it because so I, my favorite movie as a kid was never ending story. And of course, uh, many people know that the most intense scene in that movie is when Artex dies. Um, in the in the Traumatic. the swamps of sadness, um, so it's it's such a sad. Which, what an interesting metaphor! It's such well, of course, um, it's such a sad scene. It's so intense. Um, I wonder if that is still prevalent today, and like what what like what my daughter and what other like children who are born today, what that movie will be for them. Yeah. And that that's also interesting to me, too, because we've talked about it on our podcast before about the way that media is now accessible and distributed is, for lack of a better word, like a bit more decentralized, right? We had specific TV channels like cable kind of exploded a lot more in the 90s, but there was still going to the theater. There was a bit more of that seemingly similar cultural zeitgeist, whatever fancy words you want to toss in there. But now with so many different streaming services, and it's so much easier to connect with different things globally. Like I had no idea about Studio Ghibli until I was an adult, right? Whereas now it's like, oh, yeah, I can do this and I can do that. And I can look this up. And I do wonder what is going to be kids sense of time and place when you have access to so many things that have been published over decades. Mm. Yeah. It's because, because like there was breathing room for these movies to like have, have a shelf life back in the day. And now it's every, there's so much content that nothing is able to like hit the way that it used to. They don't have that. Like, I mean so much of, especially like all three of us, but a lot of, um, I've heard you and uh, Ashley and you and Graham say this a lot that you guys watched something because it was on repeat on cable and you didn't yeah. really have a choice, you know, now that people yeah. have a choice, like, I don't know if you're going to get those same like sleeper hits or you're going to get that same, like, Oh, it was saved by whatever, because there's, there's nothing forcing you to watch it. Yeah. Like I only had so many choices, right? Like that's why I loved clue as a kid because it. It was on went, every day. <laughs> yeah, it was on. It was just like, oh, I can watch it, you know, or oh, I quote discovered this, right? It it was separate from what my older brothers had been watching and introduced to me, and it was there. And now it's, you know, people talk about like with the internet, everything's at your fingertip, but there is something about an overwhelming crush of information. And I just picked up um a book to help me with my with my internet and social media addiction called How to Do Nothing. And it really talks about like the attention economy, right? So now not only do kids have so many TVs, movies, YouTube or whatever, but then there's also social media and like just the TikTokification of media that it's like short, quick, 
cuts and just like demanding your attention. And so something a little slower, something that's a little more sustained, like that's, I think you two talk about like how much you love cinema from the seventies and like, isn't it funny? I picked something from the seventies, but I struggle with it because I have been so absorbed and my own attention span has been cut shorter. And like, what is, what happens when your attention span at the beginning is like that, as opposed to it turned into that? Well, you know, it's funny too. Like, I think because like, so you guys had mentioned like, because you're, you're, you had something, Ashley, you mentioned because you had something separate than your brothers that you could call your own. Um, but, uh, because it was on, on cable or because you were forced to watch it. But now like nostalgia is such a big thing because you can go and watch those things. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what her, what, what my daughters and, and like, other children of the that generation is going to be like you know what what their things will be what mm-hmm. their attention span is going to be what their uh you know the thing that's going to have scared her yeah so yeah. Eh. and like how they connect in their different fandoms like i feel like now with message boards or i don't know if people still use message boards anymore maybe that was 10 15 years ago but just the different ways that you can connect over the things that you like last night we had been my nibbling stayed over and they really love Over the Garden Wall, which Eli wants to pitch to both of you that we should watch for this podcast. Never seen it, and so... And classify it. Okay, so it can work. And I, I said to them, I was like, guys, I, you know, I don't really know how I feel about this because I started watching the first four episodes, but in classic Ashley fashion, I was scrolling through the internet. The episodes are 11 minutes They're long. They're 11 minutes, actually. I can't pay attention for 11 <laughs> freaking minutes. And so I finally sat down with those two and watched it because I was like, I just, I think I'm not getting it. And then I watched it and I go, oh, now I do get it. But I also had this feeling of, oh, I'm recognized. Like, it has a very distinct animation style. And it came out in 2014. So for them to be looking at something that's, you know, older than they are, as old as they are, and be like, I love it. It's one of my favorites. I also had experienced enough previous animation styles to be like, oh, I know that's hinting at this thing, right? Or there was one character that was like, oh, that's super Studio Ghibli, you know? And so to me, that that is really interesting. I don't know. I also just, I was rewatching The Hobbit just before we popped on, because I was like, well, I'll just remind myself, right? And I was being reminded again of how much I love, like, the detail in the backgrounds. Like, those are the things in films that really get me. And when there is very intentional, like, placement of things, even if they don't contribute to, like, a little Easter egg or whatever of the story, but to just have that that rich visual scene, I think that's why I really loved Wes Anderson for so long is because visually his stuff is very rich. It's a very specific palette. Dude found his note and he keeps living it, but when to you To a stop, diminishing effect these days. Yes, yeah. to a diminishing effect <laughs> these days. But if you pause, like, on any frame, it is full and it is intentional. And I, I respect that, mm-hmm. like, for other artists to do that. Ashley, have you I mean, ever... I fell asleep in French Dispatch, and I'm not going to rewatch it, but yes. <laughs> Ashley, have you ever read uh, Junji Ito? In no, Asia? what's that? Okay, so he's a manga artist. He's a horror manga artist. Um, 
basically one of the masters of, of the craft. Uh, extremely detailed in his artwork, and I, you know, if anyone out there knows comics at all, they know who Junji Ito is. But um, I would highly recommend reading one of his books. I have I have a couple of them here I would have shown you. Uh, but he's so detailed in everything. Um, and you should definitely read Uzumaki, which is Spirals. It's like a it's almost like a soap opera of this town and people just keep getting obsessed with spirals in life and it just keeps getting worse and worse in the story. It yeah, the story keeps building on itself. Um but yeah, it's that same level of like detail in the backgrounds and and because uh with spirals specifically, you're like looking around now and you're seeing like, oh, there's a fiddlehead fern. Oh, there's a snail. Oh, there's a, you know, whatever. Um, and so it, it sort of makes you crazy in real life, too, because then you start looking around your house and you're like, oh, you God. start noticing it. Yeah. So um, highly, highly recommended. These like these are the conversations I love having. This is when I'm like, yeah, I did go to film school, guys. See, I can talk about this. And we totally, Graham, we didn't even get a chance to talk about how we were watching this. And you were like, oh, rotoscoping. And I was like, mm. I remember that. That wasn't in this, though. That was. In <laughs> but how the, did we start talking about it? Because Ralph Bakshi did The Lord of the Rings and was only oh. able to do the first book and a half and then, until he ran out of money. And Bakshi did a lot of rotoscoping. And that's, we can do a whole Bakshi episode. I'm happy to do one of his movies because that, that he's wild. And I would love to talk about his animations at some point. Um, but he did that in his Lord of the Rings that came out in 1978. There we go. We got so many things to discover. Yeah. So, team, I clearly already started rewatching this, but would either of you rewatch it? I would. Yeah. Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well then fine Ouch. on my annual trips to see your daughter and i guess see you i will introduce her to the hobbit that's that's fine um i mean technically she already watched it so there's no need to you know there's no <laughs> need to make her watch count. it again she was sleeping she'll have no long-term memory that's true this. i also was kind of bummed i really wanted it to be leonard nimoy as the voice of gandalf but i know that like Time-wise, John, John Huston's not good enough for you. <laughs> no, Leonard Nimoy would have been too young, also. But yeah, I guess like <sighs> Gandalf. You know the same gravitas. Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> I have a le- I have a mini. Let me introduce. Yay! Ooh, in addition to Katie's unofficial let me introduce. All right, let's do it. Um, let me introduce you. Okay. So this film came out very quietly at the end of 2022, and it's now streaming on Peacock. It's called Spoiler Alert with. Um, Jim Parsons and Sally Field. It is a story about a gay man and his relationship with his husband. The husband dies, and it's all about their whole relationship. Um, It moved me so much. It is a very beautiful, honest... It's a a very honest depiction of a gay relationship. uh, That One that I wish... I liked bros. I did. Billy Ackner was recast, it would have been a much better movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, spoiler alert, kind of got lost in the fray because of the whole, you know, Twitter uprising about bros and the negative critiques that it got. But, like, spoiler alert, it's on Peacock. Y'all, please watch it. It's really, really, really wonderful. And I cried for the last hour of that movie. <laughs> so, fully recommend that. Awesome. I love it. I like Jim Parsons, too. I know a lot yeah. of people... Uh, rag on Big Bang Theory, but I, I like that show a lot. So, 
And the other guy in it is also in Knock at the Cabin. Um, oh, I just watched that last night. Do not recommend. I didn't hear great things, but Ben Aldridge, he plays the the husband who passes. Um, so he's and he's yummy. But Brandon and I loved it. So also, Grammy just ruined that movie. It's called Spoiler Alert. It happened no, in the first. You, oh. <laughs> It happens, like, in the first minute of the movie, it says he dies, and then it's... I meant cabin, the knock at the cabin. I still have no idea I didn't spoil it. How did I spoil about. it? No, don't say anything, because I, I was like, I still don't know what you're talking oh, about. I, well, Is that the new M. Night Shyamalan yeah. movie? Okay. Shyamalan, yeah. Shyamalan? Okay. Shyamalan? Shyamalan? Yeah, not, not good. Do not recommend that. Okay. Well, I'll introduce the next week's episode. Okay. Yeah. What is coming up? Well, okay. So we did re- we did record my episode of the No Mobile, but two things. <laughs> One, we had I had major uh, audio issues and connectivity issues to the internet, and I was very frazzled. And we had a screaming baby in we the had, background. It, it was just like you know what? Some, we want to bring you good Nobody content, cares. so we're not going to release that episode. <laughs> so <laughs> we're redoing Maybe we it. Need to go deep into the archives. Yeah, we will. We're redoing it. Um, I know that Ashley has seen this movie because we saw it together. Oh my God. <laughs> Graham, I don't know what you're talking about. And I discovered it myself. So to complete our movies for Vanna, I <laughs> don't know what Katie's going to think about. And I'm oh God, so excited. <laughs> we are going to the 1970s, Katie. Oh, going awesome. back to the 70s. I mean, we you've going, talked about this movie for a long time. We're going back so to the 70s. The majority of our friendship. We are doing the wonderfully bizarre musical kind of it is a musical called Bugsy Malone directed by Alan Parker starring Scott Rayo but also Jodie Foster and it is a screwball gangster musical comedy where every single role is played by someone under the age of 14 and they're all playing adult characters and the all the singing is done by adults, so the, the kids are lip syncing, so and weird. it's it's Paul Williams' voice. Um, bizarre movie, can't wait to revisit it, and we'll tell the story about how we found out about it, Ashley, next time we we meet. But um, it's just so weird. Warning you, Katie, it's a musical. It's fine. I I I don't know what I'm thinking of. I thought Warren Beatty was in this movie. Um, That's Bugsy from 1991. Oh, okay. The, 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 so, girl, I, oh my God. I don't expect Warren Beatty to show up. I'm not. I'm not. But yeah, I kept. I kept it. I. I didn't look it up. I know nothing about Bugsy Malone. But I kept thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, it's the Warren Beatty movie. No, this is so much better. <laughs> I am. I legitimately this. like this movie. Yeah. Okay. No, Bugsy Malone is fucking fantastic. I loved it so much. I did you buy it? Did I buy it? We'll talk about it next week because okay. you, you don't One remember. One of us bought it on DVD, but it was a different region. So, and that's, you're, you're, okay, stop. Sorry. There's a whole story about it. Okay. So, yeah, um, uh, No Mobile's not. Story. So, no No Mobile, yes, Bugsy Malone. So, now yes. we have two, if, for anyone counting. We two, have two unreleased episodes. Unreleased episodes that at some point will come out. Maybe maybe a holiday special gift we'll, we'll put them in one up we'll just yeah. whittle them down <laughs> and only one of them was my fault for not editing it true mm-hmm. but thank you all so much so fun thank you it, it, I'm you so know. excited because I'm also going to rewatch Johnny Dangerously because I feel like that primed me for Bugsy Malone yeah. Katie have you ever seen Johnny Dangerously <laughs> no but I know it's the one with Mr. Bean right Amy Hecker 
Oh my god. Okay, we are going to do like mafia theme movies and we're doing it. All right. I mean, we can well, just continue on. We'll do Johnny Dangerously after Muppet Bugsy Bu- Muppet Balloon. <laughs> oh my god. <gasps> Have the Muppets ever done a mafia movie? That would be amazing. There's Dog City. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's a special. We'll talk about okay. it. Okay. Oh my god, I can't wait. Okay. I Thank you guys wait. for joining us. Thank you. Thank Find you. us. Find us on Instagram. Let me enter you pod. And give us five stars on Apple. Only five stars, even if you hate us, but you don't hate us. You love us. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.